What a, what a nice day outside today, eh? Uh, I didn't even expect things were going to start melting, so let's just hope that process speeds up quick and uh, we got spring soon. But it's good to be here tonight. It's good to open up the scriptures. Uh, we're going to be looking at a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. If you want to head there, we we'll, won't get there too quickly, but we will get there. And uh, we're continuing in our series, Let. And uh, Pastor John did a fantastic job last week, just recapping kind of where we've been in this series. And uh, now we're going to continue moving forward. But last week, we just talked about so many key themes that we've already explored. And if you missed it, I just encourage you, check out our podcast. It's just available online. I know Apple has it. And uh, you can catch the teaching there. But today, we're going to continue moving forward in our series in 2 Corinthians. But before we get there, let me just tell a quick story, okay? Uh, I was reading a book and saw this illustration and thought to myself, this could be pretty applicable because I like sports. Any sports fans in the house? Anyone? Okay, right now there's a tournament going on that some of you might be checking scores for, but stick with me tonight, okay? It's March Madness time, and uh, up there you see the picture of the guy watching on his computer. And so I heard a story of a guy watching sports on his computer, and as the game went on, suddenly his internet connection started to lag, and it started to get choppy. Now, being a fan of sports, I know exactly what this feels like, eh? It never happens ever when the announcers are, like, talking about, like, some useless fact or something, right? It's always when, like, you know, final shot, uh, right? And it freezes, and you don't see anything, or it goes blurry on you, or something happens. But as the game went on, this gentleman noticed that his screen was freezing and it was getting out of focus. But he could still hear the announcer who was calling the game perfectly. And so he had a choice, and you always have two choices. You could either restart your computer and risk missing some game or even the ending, right? Like, I always get worried, if I restart this thing, is this thing coming back, right? So you could do that, or you can just listen to it. And decide to yourself, you know, this announcer has a job to do. He's on live TV, so I could trust him. He's going to tell me what's happening. He's getting paid well, and you can trust what he says. You can trust what you're hearing. Even though you can't necessarily watch it in real time, you can still trust that what the announcer is saying, that that's what's happening in the game. He will relay the information to you. Let me shift things to a different perspective. We live in a broken world. And I don't know about you, but there are times in this world where it seems like I could just, you know, always hear things from God. And God's always speaking to me. And any, anyone enjoy these times, right? Where it's just every time you go to prayer, every time you seek him, it's like you're hearing something. But then there's other times where perhaps it, it, it almost seems like you have like a broken connection or something. Like something's starting to lag. And... You're trying to hear the voice of God, and you can't really hear. Anyone ever been in those times before? Anyone? Right? And it's in those times, when we find ourselves in those times, is that I think we have to be most intentional, because usually those times are on us, and kind of what we're going through, and kind of what we're experiencing. You see, we all have these times where maybe things feel drier, and that God's tougher to hear from, and often that's on us. And sometimes it requires us just to slow down, and to wait, and to trust. 
And it's in these moments that we turn to what is true, and it's not necessarily an announcer like I talked about in this illustration tonight, in this story. It's not even necessarily another person per se, although it's good that we could help each other and come alongside one another. But at the end of the day, what we really need to hear is the truth and voice of God, and we find this when we turn to God's word, and when we open the scriptures. And when we look at what it is God wants to say to us, because we can trust God's word fully, amen? His word is more trustworthy than any announcer or any book or any good advice that maybe you can find. His truth literally changes our lives and the lives of those who are around us. And so we can and should trust them, even when things in our own personal life maybe feel like they're lagging and a bit choppy. His word remains, and his word leads us and guides us and reveals his truth to us. You see, we don't just stand on um, the authority of our own feelings and how we're feeling someday, or even man's opinion, but we stand on the truth of God's word. In Colossians 3 and verse 16 Pastor John read this last week. It's one of our let verses. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. And we can trust his word. And we must fill our lives with the word of God. And so with that in mind, with that type of thinking in mind, let's look at our verse tonight in 2 Corinthians and chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, therefore, I'll stop there. Okay? If you've attended this church for any amount of time, probably longer than four months, what does therefore mean? When you see a therefore in scripture, what does that mean? Anyone? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Someone knew. You got to find out what it's there for. I thought Pastor John said that so often, okay? But whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you got to find out what's it there for because obviously the chapters weren't in the original text. And so the Apostle Paul's writing here, and there's a continuous idea going on, and there's a break here, and he says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Therefore, since we have these promises. So what do you think of when you think of the word promise? I was thinking about this this past week. Often, you know, we make commitments and some are stronger than others, right? You know, we all have those moments or those friendships in life where we're like, yeah, 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 we'll do coffee soon, right? And then it's all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, three years later, right? And it's not necessarily that you had bad intentions and whatnot. It's just that, you know, the commitment was kind of fluid and the plan to get together maybe was non-existent. And uh, maybe that convicted a few of us, including myself. But sometimes we say things like, you have my word. And we, and we, we own up to what we say, what we're going to do. And other times, maybe we don't live up to it quite like we wish we had. But sometimes we say this word. We say, I promise. And whenever we say that word promise, we know that you're pulling out the big time at that point. The Oxford Dictionary defines promise like this. A declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. That's the definition of promise. You see, as people, we sometimes follow through on our promises. Often, I think, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt, I think we always try our best to. When we make a promise, we want to follow through on it. But even if we make a promise, sometimes there are still moments where as people, we just fall short of it. 
And so we say things like, I promise, and then sometimes if we don't quite deliver, it almost kind of cheapens the word for us a little bit. But rest assured that when the scripture speaks of promises, or when God makes a promise, he can 100% be trusted. He can 100% be counted on. You see, in 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, it says this in verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so we have these promises. And so what are these promises? In order to know what promises the Apostle Paul is talking about, we need to look back at what he wrote in the previous chapter. Um, and so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 and 18, we read about it. And he writes, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. And I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So these are the promises that Paul had just finished talking about before he wrote in verse seven, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. This is what he's been speaking of, and these are found throughout the books of the prophets. These are found even in 2 Samuel, one of these quotations comes from. If you want to know the exact quotations, if you have a study Bible, you'll see them just in the footnote. Or if you really want to know them, chat with me after. But these are quotations from the Old Testament that spoke of God's love and God's help for his people. And so the text lays out the promises that are being spoken of in chapter 6. And so let's look at each one of them separately. And my hope is just that we'll find some encouragement tonight from the scriptures that can challenge us and encourage our hearts. And so the first promise that we see written about in that portion is this, is God's assurance of his presence, that he is with us. He is with them. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, I will live with them and walk among them. You see, God wasn't just going to leave his people here kind of on their own and just kind of hope for the best and hope they kind of figure things out. But God's always desired to live and walk among his people. He's our help. As much as we sometimes try to live for God on our own, it's fruitless unless we're living our lives in him and connected to him. You see, in Exodus, there was this moment where they were, you know, being led out from just a terrible situation into a great situation that God had planned for his people. And in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And there was this assurance for the people that God is going to be with them. And Moses says to them, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us up from here. In verse 15, I didn't put that on the screen. That was actually a typo, I admit it, okay? How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, Moses, even in this Exodus experience, knew that if God didn't go with them, there'd be no reason to keep on going. 
And he goes as far as saying that it's God's presence. That, that's what distinguishes them. That's what sets them apart. That's what makes them different from the world around them. In the Christmas story, in Matthew chapter 1, we often talk about this stuff once a year, but really this is, this is pivotal theology, in my opinion, for, for every day of the year. And we read the verse, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. You see, Emmanuel, God with us. God wasn't content just to let us be and figure things out down here. He knew that we couldn't. And so every year, we, we, we celebrate this. We celebrate the Christmas story. We celebrate the fact that God didn't just leave us on our own, but that he came and dwelt among us as a baby. Check out the last verse of the book of Matthew. In Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus has given them what's called the Great Commission. And he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, these were the last words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus felt it was important that his disciples knew this truth, that they were not alone, they were not on their own, but surely he was with them. Surely he is with us. How many of you know that makes such a difference in our life when we recognize that God's with us, right? And that we're with him. Um, presence of someone can just make such a difference. And this is even true in life. Uh, last summer, we took our daughters to the fair. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not the funnest at the fair, okay? I'm not jumping on all the... Yeah, I know. It shocks you, right? I'm not jumping on all the crazy rides and looking to, you know, I'm probably just as content to, like, you know, play one of those games where, like, you know, you pop the balloon or something, right? But my, my oldest daughter last year on her way to the fair started talking about how, you know, I'm going to try out some of the big kid rides, right? And she was just all hyped up and looking forward to it. But she was, t she was timid to do so once we got there. And once we got there, all of her plans that she had kind of thought up on the way, she kind of thought, ah, you know what, I'm just going to go on the ones that I'm familiar with. And eventually I said to her, well, what if mom or dad joined you? Would you be willing to try one out? And all of a sudden, she was up for it. And she was looking forward to it. And of course, me being who I am with rides, I was like, well, this is great. You and mom are going to have such a good time tonight, right? This is like mom and daughter get together now, right? Like, yeah, I'll see you guys. I'll be at the candy apples. Come find me after, right? I'm joking, but there's a little bit of truth in that, okay? But just the presence of a parent or someone that a kid trusts, it makes such a difference for them. And I saw it even in that moment. And so does knowing that as we walk this life of faith that we're not alone, but that Christ is with us. Christ is with us each day, amen? And it makes all the difference for us. It makes all the difference. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we read, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. You know, yesterday I uh, saw this prayer just floating around everywhere. It was St. Patrick's Day. And there was this prayer that was attributed to St. Patrick of Ireland. And it really just contains the richness of these truths that we're talking about tonight. And in his prayer, he wrote this. He wrote, Christ be with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. 
And it's prayer that celebrates that Christ is not far away, but is near by the Holy Spirit. Christ is all around us, and as those of us who love and follow him, there's such a blessing in this. And so in John 15, I had an opportunity to hear some great teaching on this by Elder Don this past week, and you can hear it this Wednesday on Unedited. Uh, special guest, check it out. A little commercial there, let's move on. But in John 15, 4, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, the whole point of this thing isn't that we're ever going to figure out, you know, perfect obedience on our own. Our opportunity, uh, uh, sorry, our, our, our responsibility is to make sure that we remain in him and he in us. And when that happens, it's amazing what God can do in our lives. Amen? You see, sometimes it's easy to say, sometimes we always look at what is it that we can do for God, but sometimes it's not just what you do for God, but to make sure that in everything, you're doing everything with God and recognizing and celebrating that he's present with you. You see, Brother Lawrence wrote a classic book called Practicing the Presence of God. And in that book, he talked about how even doing simple mundane things as, you know, washing dishes in a kitchen Spending time in a kitchen, every moment can be redeemed when you recognize that you're not alone, but if you're a follower of Christ, he is with you, even in those moments. No matter what you're doing, Jesus' presence brings meaning to every action, interaction, to every activity, to every task. He's there. And that's a precious promise for us today. Second promise is this promise of God's calling us to be his people. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16 and 17, it says, And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And so there's this call that we are called to be the people of God, but there's also this, this call to come out and be separate and be different and follow a different way, if I can say it like that. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter describes it like this. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he uses words like chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. And the point is that we may declare the praises of him who called each of us out of darkness and into light. God's calling us to live as his people. In 2 Corinthians, verse 5 and 17, it says it like this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And it's not just that when we come to Christ that, you know, you change your mind or that you have a slight change of heart or it's that, you know, you start seeing things, yeah, just a little bit differently. But Christ has literally transformed you and transforms our identities. And he changes us. The old is gone, the new is here. And you know him, and you identify with him. 
And so we follow the words of Scripture. We come out and we separate. You see, we don't dabble in this philosophy here or in this trendy idea over here or in this over here, but we're separate, a people in Christ, new creations and followers of a new kingdom. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus and can I add this to my beliefs. It's not Jesus plus can I have some of that, right? I want Jesus, but I want a little bit of this spirituality over here, and I want a little bit of this philosophy over here. It's not Jesus plus, but it's Jesus period. He alone is sufficient for you and sufficient for me. And we are invited into the family of God, and he's our father, which leads us to the third promise in that portion of scripture, which is simply this, He is our father, and we are his sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 6.18, And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You see, we don't just approach a God out there who's impersonal, but God declares himself as father. Pastor John did an amazing job teaching about this stuff when we went through our series on the Lord's Prairie this past fall. And you can find all that online, but we approach God as Father. In Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said, This is then how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, when Jesus taught us to pray, he never suggested that we were praying to some impersonal being, but he clearly taught us how to start our prayers in addressing God as our Father in heaven. Father. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. All the themes of those promises are even found in a verse like this. Romans 8 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Father. And we can see Him that way. He invites us into His family. And these are great and precious promises. These are amazing things. And so in light of all of this, in light of the promises and privileges, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, make holiness a priority in your life. Don't be enticed by anything that will lead you astray from Him. Because of God's amazing promises, let us cleanse ourselves and avoid anything that would defile body or spirit, working towards a life of holiness, perfecting it out of reverence for him. Because you've received these precious promises and privileges to be a part of God's work and family, make sure to keep yourselves pure. Make sure that's priority. Don't be led astray by the things of the world or the systems of the world, or as the text would say, the temple of idols. And don't fool yourself. We, like, we may not have a temple of idols that says that on the door outside, but we definitely have a lot of idols in this culture. But we don't follow in the ways of the kingdom of this world, but rather we follow the ways of a new kingdom. Amen? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, an upside-down kingdom that's at odds with the kingdoms of this world. You see, most kingdoms in in this world say if you want to be great, well, then become great and trample over others. But his kingdom measures greatness and how we serve each other. Most kingdoms say, you know, worry about yourself, get what's yours. But God's kingdom commands us to love one another and to look to the needs of each other. And as as Christians, Christ calls us to live a different way. 
And so I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you feel that connection with God sometimes has been lagging a little bit. And you're just having a tough time reaching out in this moment in your life. My prayer is that we'd be refreshed by his promises this evening. That you can always hear God. You could always find God when you open his word. Amen? And when you allow the pages of scripture to speak to you and guide you towards him. You see, in light of these great and precious promises, um, N.T. Wright, a um, scholar and author, says this. He says, if you have received privileges such as the ones he lists here, you mustn't trample on them as though they were worthless. That would be like the prodigal son spurning the father's welcome and going back to feed the pigs. You see, because of what God has done, because of the promises that we read about in Scripture, we're motivated, we're motivated to live for him and recognizing he's our father, recognizing we're his people, recognizing that he's always, always, always with us. And so because of that, we avoid certain things. And so because of that, we pursue holiness. Holiness, one of those words that we just don't hear about lots lately, but such a powerful word and such a thing God calls us to. You see, holy is who God is. And therefore, as his people, we pursue it, and it becomes priority in our lives. And we look to him. And so I don't know where you find yourself this evening. Perhaps it's as simple as, Um, you find yourself in a spot where maybe it's just been tough for you to hear God and you just know that you need to reach back out and and talk to him. Maybe it's something you've got to repent of. Maybe you recognize you've missed the mark and there's things you've just allowed in your life that perhaps don't belong there. Perhaps you've never heard of Jesus before and you're here for the first time tonight and uh, you recognize the call that he wants you to become a part of his family. Maybe that's what you need to respond to this evening. But we all need to respond to God, I believe, tonight in our own ways, in our own personal ways. And so I'm going to read that scripture one more time, and then I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor John, and uh, we're going to respond to him as God leads. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that, okay? 2 Corinthians 7.1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends... Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you love us. I thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word, God. I thank you for your presence and that we are your people and that you are our Father and us, your kids. And we just thank you tonight, Lord. And I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts however you want to this evening. Lord, if perhaps if we've, you know, found ourselves in places we shouldn't be, God, that you would direct us out. Lord, I pray that you would direct us closer to you tonight, Lord, as we worship, as we look to you, God. I just pray, Lord, that whatever it is you desire to do in our hearts, Lord God, that you would just have your way and that you would just draw each one of us closer to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its foundation for our lives. Thank you for each and every promise, Lord God, that we could trust completely. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.